these encouragements that Jesus is saying, hey, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm with you. There's the promise of presence. I like Eugene Peterson's um, in the Message Bible. He says, don't let this throw you. I like that. Don't let this throw you. It's going to be okay. That's what Jesus is saying to us today, that uh, in a room this size, even if there were two or three of us in this room, many of us are struggling with something here today. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's something that's come up. Even this morning, maybe you got in a a, a little scuffle with your, your spouse this morning on the way to church, or maybe you had to you know, you had a toddler that wasn't in line, and you're like, Lord, just help me. You know, whatever you're struggling with this morning, don't let your hearts be troubled. Some of us, it's bigger things. Some of it's wrestling with what God is calling us to do. Maybe we don't know what tomorrow holds. Maybe we're wrestling. Maybe we're at a crossroads. And so this is what I love about God and his love and his word, is that wherever we are, Jesus comes down to us. He's the God with us. He's the Emmanuel that enters into where we are. And Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And I think that this is a a, a timely passage, one for those disciples that Jesus was getting ready to go away. He was preparing them for struggles they were getting ready to enter into. But I think this passage moves beyond just this verse and it actually holds the keys to, um, to lessons for radical discipleship that's needed today and in every age. So one, Jesus is saying, whatever you're facing, whatever struggles, whatever that is, to use Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, don't let this throw you. Don't let this throw you. Put your trust in God. Put your trust also in me. So there are two key doctrines that I want to explore in the text And the first one is many of us are coming out of the Wesleyan. We're here at Asbury. Uh, One of the key Wesleyan doctrines is the doctrine of prevenient grace. I like that word. It's a fancy word. Prevenio comes from kind of this idea of that God always comes before us. Jesus is always preparing. He's not surprised at whatever thing you're facing. Um, But Jesus says this. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus has already gone before us. The Spirit is already moving. God's already on the move. And God's aware of everything that we're going through in this moment. Now, this passage is, is interpreted in different ways, but so I'm going to kind of look at it through these lenses of, hey, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If you've got a King James Bible, we got any King James people here this morning? Hallelujah. King James says there are many mansions. You know, streets of gold, mansions, you know, so depending on what church you grew up in. Um, what Jesus is saying, there's a roominess, there's an abiding, there are places in my Father's house, and I am going to prepare a place for you. And I was, as I was thinking this morning and praying this morning, this idea came to me that there are shifts that we need to make in our faith. And so one of those shifts is to shift from anxiety to abiding, Now, as you read in um, the the next few chapters even, Jesus is playing on the word to abide. To abide in me gives the great analogy of I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. So there's all this abiding imagery that's happening. And the the same root word is happening with the the idea of uh, preparing a, a place for you in my Father's house. There are many abodes, dwelling places. 
And so the first thing I want to encourage us in is that we have to make a shift from anxiety to abiding in Christ. Can I get an amen there? That in other words, we lay on the altar, whatever our anxieties are, whatever are are, are things that are troubling our heart this morning, and as we come to the table of the Lord, we're invited to actually lay down our burdens and to make a shift to say, Lord, help me to let go of my anxieties that I might abide in you. And abiding happens through trust. It happens through trust, a humble trust that moves us toward an obedience. And Jesus says it this way. Thomas asks the question, Lord, how are we going to know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this morning, sisters and brothers in Christ, Jesus has gone before us. Jesus knows where we are, Jesus knows where we've been, and Jesus knows where we're going. Past, present, and future are all the same to our God. Nothing surprises him. And Jesus goes before us. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And so this morning, what we have to do is we have to lift up our eyes beyond our anxiety beyond our whatever things that are troubling us to lift up our eyes and gaze upon the author and the finisher of our faith this morning. So I want to encourage you today, lift your eyes up unto Jesus, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of your faith. He is the way. We don't have to know what the way is going to look like. We just have to know the person who is the way. We have to know the one who is paving the way, who's going um, before us this morning. And it is Jesus. It is our King. It is our Lord. There are some of us this morning that at every spectrum of the age that we're in today. This is one of the things that I've found that's been profound. There's some of you that are maybe university students or seminary students that are like, Lord, what am I going to do when I finish seminary? Can I get an amen if you're kind of in that category? A couple months ago, this past six, seven months, I've really wrestled in my own life. Lord, what do you want me to do? Where am I going to go? And, and um, I, I have Dan Lewis to blame who's celebrating this morning. And if I had a stone, I might throw at him. And he, he invited me on this thing called the Journey of Generosity this past year. And I remember the first video was a, a retreat weekend. And there was, a, there was a young woman in the video who's probably about my age. And you know, I was saying, oh, this Journey of Generosity weekend's all about money. They want my money. I don't know. I don't know what I, don't know what I had to expect. And this young mother in the first little video segment, she took, a, took a, 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 another young mother to dinner or lunch, and this other young lady said, you know, my husband, uh, I, I think, has a rare form of uh, kidney disease, and he's probably going to die in the next couple years unless he has a transplant. And the Lord spoke to this, this young mother and said, give him your kidney. And she said, I, when I was young and in my 20s, I was willing to go wherever and do whatever the Lord told me to do. Am I still willing to do it with a mortgage and with children and in a marriage? I began to weep. I kind of hid off in the corner. That was, that was the first session. So if you've not been on one of these journey of generosities, like, there you go, Dan. Pay me later for, you know, the little plug. And, 
And that really convicted my heart. And one of the things that I've seen is I came back from a conference in March. I was invited to share on a platform around calling. And the people that were on the platform, there was, there was a token uh, person in their 30s. I was the token guy in the 40s. There was a guy in his 50s. And there was a guy in the sick, in his, a person in their 60s. And what I saw was God calls us at every age in every season of life to step out in faith. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It's so easy to say, well, if I was just 20, I would just I would pack up and move to wherever or go whatever. But God is calling every one of us in this room this morning to take a step of faith. And the enemy wants to use struggles, challenges, wants our hearts to be troubled, to distract us from the call of God. And I think one of the things that we see in the scriptures this morning, Jesus is saying, don't worry about whatever you're struggling with. Put your eyes on me because I am calling you today. God is always the God of new beginnings. Behold, I do a new thing. It is the new birth, the new season. And this is what the Easter season is about. It's about new things. So Jesus is inviting us today to follow him into some unknown future, whatever that might be. And it's different for every one of us, but it's a walk of faith nonetheless. So doctrine number one is this prevenient grace. Doctrine number two is responsible grace. Randy Maddox wrote a book a number of years ago, Wesleyan Scholar, on responsible grace. And the word responsible simply means the ability to respond. Come on, that'll preach right there. That's, that's, that's worth the price of admission right there. The word responsible means the ability to respond. God, is not, God doesn't call robots. God's not a cookie cutter God. God calls every one of us to take a step of faith. And responsible grace is he gives us the grace to do it. God gives us, you know, if God's calling you to do something that's safe, well, maybe that's not what God's calling you to do. God's calling us to follow whatever that call is. Maybe it's to pick up a phone and call a neighbor, or maybe it's to call a loved one that you've got a broken relationship. Whatever it is today, God's calling each of us to a step of faith. Now notice throughout all of these texts, throughout as you get into the Gospel of John, it's, he's talking about the walk of faith. He's saying, move from anxiety to abiding to walking with me. Part of the abiding is... Um, is taking those steps and growing in our faith and expanding our faith. And he says, For I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing and will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So there's a connection in in the text this morning. And we see this with God's call upon Israel, that God called Israel not to just have an enclave out in the mountains, but to be a light to the nations. It takes faith to step out of the boat. It takes faith to shine your light before men that your Father in heaven might be glorified. It takes faith this morning to follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But this is what I love about God. One of my favorite quotes, Martin Luther King Jr. said, you don't have to know the whole staircase. All you got to do is take the first step. That'll preach right there. Martin Luther King Jr., take that first step. What is the first step that God is calling you to do? I'm convinced of this. There's a statistic 
that says less than 2% of Christians in North America share their faith. I'm convinced that there's a correlation with that Barna statistic with Christians actually walking by faith. Now, most of us here this morning, we believe in God. We have a faith. We, we trust. We believe God. But are we walking by faith, not by sight? Christianity, Jesus calls us out of our comfort zone. So the first shift is moving from anxiety to abiding. The second shift is the moving from comfort zone to the walk of faith. It's getting a little uncomfortable in here. This collar, it, it is uncomfortable, but it's, I, I can feel it in here this morning. So Jesus asks a couple things. One is, he says, put your trust in me, put your trust in the Father. I've gone to the Father, I've gone before you. But then he says this, I think we need a bold faith. I want to encourage us this morning that I believe God wants us in this generation, in this age of divisivism and schisms and in this dark world, God's calling us to bring beauty, goodness, and truth to the world. God's calling us to shine our lights, to be different than the world. Jesus wants us to be his hands and feet. And it takes faith. It takes action. It takes stepping out. It takes taking that first step. And I don't know what that means for you this morning. It, listen, it, it, you know, I've had to wrestle with this in my own life. But I'm convinced of this, that God is calling his church to be a church of faith. We see this in the two passages that we heard from the Old Testament and um, the book of Peter, that we are a holy generation called to be holy, called to be a light, called to be men and women of faith. And Jesus says, you're going to do the stuff I did, but greater things are you going to do. Now, there's a magnification with this, surely. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to like do like more miracles than what Jesus did. What, what he's saying is, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send you the Spirit. And we see this through, the, through Pentecost. The Spirit is, is given to the church that, that there can be a multiplication of the hands and feet of Jesus. There's some of us this morning that God's calling you to go to places like a Mother Teresa and a Calcutta. Where is your Calcutta this morning? What is the thing that the Lord's calling? What is the greater things that Jesus is calling you to do this morning? In bold faith. We all have a Calcutta. We all have a place that Jesus is calling us to. Maybe it's our backyard. Maybe it's our neighbor's uh, it absolutely begins with spheres of influence. It, it has to begin in your home. And if, if you're married and you have children, it begins there. It begins in our community. But you know what? God is calling us to step out in faith. I believe in this gen- in, in, in all of the shifts and everything that's happening in our world right now, the church cannot play it safe. We have to get out of our comfort zone. The church in North America and around the world has to live by faith. We have to relearn. We have to build that faith. Faith is like a muscle. you got to like exercise that thing. And God wants us to take that first step, whatever that step is of obedience, to follow him this morning. And then there's a shift from a passive faith to an active faith that Jesus says, ask whatever, ask whatever 
in me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I think God wants us to pray bold prayers. We're going we're gonna to have prayers of the people here in a few minutes. Um, I think for many of us, we've had a safe face, and oftentimes our prayers are safe. What if we began to pray bold prayers and actually believed, Lord, could you do something amazing? Could you redeem um, our world? Lord, I'm, I'm going to believe, God, that, that you're going to intervene. I'm going to pray. I'm going to actually use language to pray big prayers. And there's a connection between our prayers and our faith and our walk. And I say all these things, again, not to, not to burden you, but to say, you know what? God has a call on you, and he has a call on my life. And your obedience to Christ is going to be different than my obedience to the Lord. But as I read all of these texts, I'm reminded that God has called us to be his people. He has called us to be different. He's called us to a life of holiness. He has called us to a walk of faith, to follow in obedience. What would it look like? If about 2% of Christians in this nation did not live by faith, what would it look like if believers, what would it look like if every person here this morning, this week, prayed a bold prayer and said, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. I wrote this down at the last um, session on that Saturday at the Journey of Generosity. I said, Lord, I wrote it down in my, in my little journal. I said, Lord, my hands are open. I'm, I'm in my late 40s. Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you ask me to go. I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm willing to, to go whenever you ask me to go. And so as I close this morning, I want to simply ask the question, what is God calling you to do this morning? And if God is calling you to give up everything and to follow him, would you be willing to go? If God called you this morning to, um, to give your kidney to someone, would you do it? If God called you this morning, and the last time I preached here, I was preaching on Zacchaeus. I like Zacchaeus because he's a little guy, and he climbed up in a tree. I, love, I paint trees, and I'm a little guy. I love the Zacchaeus passage. And Zacchaeus was a rich man. Guess what? Zacchaeus said, Lord, I'll give it all to you. I'll give it all to you because it belongs to you. It all belongs to God. How many of us this morning, your life was touched by the, the outpouring? Amen? There's a song that is burnt in my heart and my imagination that I just can't get out. And every time I hear it, I just weep. It's called, You Are Worthy of It All. From you are all things, and to you are, are all things. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Our life is meant to be a holy sacrifice to the Lord. Our prayers, our very life is meant to be incense unto the Lord.
And I came out of that revival. It wasn't a goosebump, bless me, feel good. It was Jesus saying, I'm going to send you out. And you better not sit back, but you better step out. It's real. How many of y'all, I love Star Wars. There's the, you know, the, the new Force Awakens series. There's this moment where, um, you know, Ray and Finn, you know, they, they see Han Solo, um, and they're like, was it real? Like, you, you knew Luke Skywalker? And he pauses. He's like, you know, you're like, this guy, does he still have faith or not? I don't know. And he looks at him. He says, it's real. All of it was real. And coming out of, and this is where I'm at, it's real. Jesus is real. All the stuff we talk about, everything, every scripture we've read, this table, the Lord's table, it's all real. Amen? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he demands nothing less than our life and our faith and our prayers. Amen.